everybody and welcome to this week's episode of talent talk i'm jack milliken and i'm here with my co-hosts izzy damatos isabella walsh those are their names and this is our game making podcasts and having a great time so today on the show we're going to be talking to miss christensen about all things theater arts past present future all that good stuff we have a great conversation with her and then we're also going to be talking to joaquin ramiro about his article on jump bikes and sacramento so today we talked to the c and we got to talk about again everything theater and it's really exciting that's exciting for you since you're a part of that theater squad i am so i knew actually most of the stuff because we're really close Izzy, did you know anything before this yeah i actually took miss c's theater class sophomore year so I know the lady. And I do too because we did a literary arts panel together. So we were all, we all kind of knew a little bit behind the curtain, but we got to talk to her a little bit more. And here's our conversation about Miss Christensen. All right. So we're here with Miss Christensen. Howdy. Hello. Hello. And we kind of wanted to just have a conversation, talk to you a little bit about Miss Christensen. So. Oh, man. <laughs> You're going to have a conversation we about have Ms. Christensen a, with Miss Christensen in yeah. the room. We wanted to have a talent talk. Yeah. A we talent talk with a talent, talk. A talent well, person. Well, lucky yeah. for you, um, I enjoy talking about myself. It is my favorite subject. Beautiful. So, yeah. Cool. I can, I can relate. So, mm-hmm. first question for you. What is your title? We were kind of talking about this a little bit before the show, <laughs> but what do you do here at CB? That is a really great question. So my official title is that I'm the technical director for the George Cunningham 40 Performing Arts Center here at Christian Brothers. Along with that are several addendums. Um, so I, I'm also the uh, FOTA faculty advisor, our Friends of the Arts group, which is our parent support group for the arts. I am in communication with them. I have this sort of nebulous, we've not really come up with a good title yet. I'm still pulling for Grand High Pooba, but my job <laughs> is uh, to sort of help market the arts a little bit. And I do that really through uh, conjunction with the communications office. So Ms. McCarthy and Ms. Lee, uh, help me figure that out a lot. Mm-hmm. In any standard theater company, a technical director, really what they do is they take the designer's plans and they implement the building of those plans. So like the lighting desi- designer gives you the plans, you have the lighting technicians set it up, run it effectively. Uh, the scenic designer gives you plans, you have the crew build it. But here, technical director is kind of all-encompassing. I design, I direct builds, I train the tech crews. Uh, I'm responsible for sound and lighting for all of our liturgies and events, and it's it's a big old job. Wow. Yeah, it's a great job. Oh, I also teach a theater arts class, which <laughs> everyone should take. I took it. <laughs> yes, I, I loved did. it. <laughs> I didn't take it. Sorry. I know. That it class just, was it, there was just It just never great. happened. It just kind of happened for me. And I, I had a lot to do. I know. Life is stressful. <laughs> I know. Sophomore year, first semester. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god, that was... Oh, so much fun. Yeah. I loved it. It was a wild class. Mr. Jackson teaches how oh, many yeah. classes? Yeah, so teach? Mr. Jackson also teaches a theater arts class, and then he teaches an acting focus yeah. class as well. An acting focus is kind of like the, the next level up, so either students who are very um, concentrated on performance or those who have already taken theater arts and want to develop their skills even further, that's what the acting focus class is for. 
Um, and we teach the same subject, but we are two very different people. Yeah. So, yes, um, you, but you guys fit perfectly together. We really do. And P- I, I, P- try and J. To, I tell the students probably the best of both worlds would be to have a class with Mr. Jackson and a class with me because we teach things very differently and we teach different material. Um, and you'd get a great broad theater education if that's what you're interested in. Yeah. yeah. So your involvement here is very arts centric. Yes. And you also went to CB. Class of 01. Woo! You know, just a couple years ago. So. <laughs> it was only like five years ago. None of guys. you were born. I was. We all right. No, I wasn't born. October 24th, Our 2000. 2000s, baby. Oh, wow. 2001. All right. so, so you were just, you were just born. Yes. All right. Fair enough. So. That means that you've been involved in the arts program for a good amount of time. And I want to see kind of what your thoughts on the evolution of it has been while you were here, now that you've come back and started teaching it. What was it like in 01 when you graduated? Oh, that's a really good question. Okay, so when I started here as a CB student, there was a fairly new four-year arts course of study here. And at the time, that was really rare. Very few schools were offering uh, a four-year course of study in any subject. Yeah. Now it's a lot more common, um, but at the time that was something that really kind of made you take notice. I was not a four-year arts student. I did not do arts my freshman year. I was um, in a new school. I didn't actually know anybody. I came mm-hmm. from public school, not a Catholic school, and I thought, I'll, I'll just kind of lay low my freshman year and sort it out. Uh, an interesting sort of happenstance or consistency is that uh, the choral and also the drama teacher at the time was our very own current new returning choral teacher, Mr. Bohm. Okay. Uh, And what happened was I took a summer school class with him and really loved his class and he said, you should do theater. And I said, okay. Um, Probably the biggest difference you would notice were the facilities. Mm -hmm. We did not have the Performing Arts Center and all of its beautiful capabilities. Uh, are there were portables here at the time? Really? Yeah. So right where the STEM wing and the theater are now were all these portable classrooms, and a lot of the like choir and band were out in those. Really? Yeah. We classroom. <laughs> we did not have a stage, and so at the time we were going over to the elementary school on Broadway, Immaculate Conception, and using their stage, um, which that's not really practical for rehearsals. So we were actually rehearsing up in the 700s hallway for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. And then by my senior year, um, the 701, I think, and 702 had been converted back into a performance space. It was like two classrooms with a wall knocked out and Mm -hmm. a plywood stage, but it was on campus and it was something to have. So the, the change in the facilities has been spectacular. Yeah. Um, I I was really theater and choir focused at the time, so I couldn't tell you a whole ton about like what the band teachers or the visual yeah, arts teachers yeah, were yeah, like, yeah. but we always had really talented students and arts were a big part of the life at Christian Brothers as they are now. Yeah. So then as you graduated, what was next for Miss Christensen? Where did you go after CB? I went to the University of Southern California. Mm. Fight on Trojans. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I went there um, to study theater. I, I got my degree, a Bachelor of Arts in Theater um, from USC, and uh, it, uh, studying theater in college is like magic, especially uh, I got to go 
do a semester abroad in London, which, oh, guys, it's the closest thing to going to Hogwarts is studying theater (laughs) in London. You're like doing movement classes and voice classes and Shakespeare classes and you're learning to sword fight and you're in this incredible, old, cultured, beautiful city. Um, it, it, It was a wonderful time in my life. Um, I have a question for you, actually. Mm-hmm. So what was your favorite show that you've done here? And then like when you came back to CB and then what was your favorite show that you did when you were in high school? Ooh, good questions. Um, I think the favorite show that I've done since returning as a faculty member has to be Hamlet. And it's because I personally have a long history with that play. I fell in love with it in the sixth grade. I always wanted to be in that show. And as a performer, never got the opportunity. And then to watch my beloved students put on that show and do such a wonderful job with the material and perform it far better than I would, not only at their age, but at any point. Um, They really handled it beautifully. And that, to me, was more rewarding than had I done a a production myself. Um, Favorite show that, uh, the favorite show that I did here as a student was the first one that I did, the one that Mr. Bohm convinced me to audition for, which is a play called Lend Me a Tenor. And that's tenor like T-E-N-O-R. Like, like the, the saxophone? Singer. Like, the, like the singer, like an opera singer. Oh, gotcha. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's centered around um, an opera company, and I played uh, sort of the, the diva, the opera diva who will do anything to get her own way. And we had... It was double cast, so we had two casts to get more kids involved. Mm-hmm. And my counterpart in the same role was actually our very own Ms. Shorn. Really? And that is how we met. No, that's really cool. Yeah. That was also when I got my first stage kiss. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with the fellow who is now Broadway's James Snyder. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Really? That's yeah. crazy. So I'm telling you, be nice to the people that you're in high school with because you have no idea where they're going or when you're going to see oh, them again. Yeah, that's that's me with Jacob Cherry. I'm like, I just, you have to be nice to them or become best friends with them and then just be like, oh yeah, you remember me from high school, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're a famous, on Broadway, I was your best friend. Do you have any more people that you went to school with that are like that, that are now in crazy jobs? Um, I'm trying to think if there are any from Christian Brothers. Probably not, but I did go to school, um, I don't know if any of you guys watch Suits, but there's an actor on there called uh, Patrick J. Adams, and I went to college with him. Like, we were That's in cool. the School of Theater together. I'm not surprised he's a successful actor. He was very, like, focused and driven and, and on his craft, so nice. um, it's really great for him. But should I just name drop through this yeah. entire show? Yeah, name <laughs> drop the entire um, show. Yeah, I mean, we. it's very strange to suddenly run into um, the people that you knew when you were 15. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you're talking more about USC. What happened after USC? Kind of take us on the journey from college all the way to coming back to Christian Brothers a couple of years ago. Sure. Yeah, that uh, it's a very interesting journey. So I oh, I went to college for theater because I was in love with it. I thought I wouldn't be happy doing anything else. Um, this is what I'm meant to do. And then I I had to go out and be a professional actor, a professional theater person. It's not like finding a career in in another field where you know you have a connection with a professor who says, oh, I I know someone who's hiring. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And um, I was on my own in Los Angeles, renting an apartment, and I thought I should really get a steady 
paying job to kind of support me as I go out for these various um, theater work. And so I started working at a camping and backpacking store in West Los Angeles um, called Adventure 16. And it was kind of like a a boutique or more high-end camping equipment. It was a really unusual clientele. A a lot of people in Los Angeles know nothing about camping. Uh, But then we would get these people that were like super technical and climbing Kilimanjaro and and climbing Everest coming into the store. And we were right by LAX, so we got a ton of international customers. It was really cool. Um, and while I was doing that, I was taking jobs, you know, hanging lighting at a Disney store and working as an assistant stage manager for like the LA Women Shakespeare Company and just trying to get whatever theater work I could. Okay. Um, but it kind of wore on me. I have learned about myself that the thing I like the least is looking for work, mm-hmm. which maybe theater is a poor choice of career because that's <laughs> about 90% of the job is finding a job. Right. And right about the time I'm thinking, this is not for me, I'm running myself ragged, um, that's when the recession hit. And all the theater work dried up anyway. So I kind of just kept the job that I had at the camping store. Mm -hmm. And I was there for the better part of eight years. And it was very clear that I needed to make a move forward. So I thought, well, why don't I go back to school, get a master's degree, Um, put my theater skills to use in a different field. Mm -hmm. And just as I had finished applying for that, I get a call from my parents. Um, Even though I had graduated from Christian Brothers, they loved this school and had stayed active, and my dad would come and help, like, rig scenery. Oh, cool. Um, He's still doing that. He's still doing that. (laughs) Yeah, now he doesn't have a choice. Um, (laughs) Dad, what are you doing on Saturday? So... uh, they got a call from Christian Brothers uh, saying, would you like to tour the construction site? And they said, oh, we'd love to see the new theater. And when they got here, the school knew that they had to hire for my position, but they didn't know what to call it. They didn't know what this person would do, and they didn't know what qualifications to look for because it's a very weird kind of niche job. Yeah. And they were just asking anyone with any theater experience do you have any advice? So my dad um, gave me a call and said, look, here are the emails of Mr. Barsani and Mr. Slabink. Can you just send them a line and, and tell them what they should be looking for? And uh, so I sent a very detailed email about, um, you know, what kind of opportunities the program could afford and what sort of work this person would need to do and, and what would need to happen uh, in terms of time and resources to make that a reality. And then I got a call back saying, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> You're basically looking for me. Well, I didn't know it at the time. I'd been out of theater for five or six years. Uh, the technology had moved on. I'd certainly never worked with a digital soundboard before. That was new to me. And I thought, man, if you're looking for a high-level technician that can work with this stuff, that's not me. Right. But it became clear that what you need in this job is um, just enough knowledge about everything to be dangerous. Um, and, and that I had, it also helps if you like working with high schoolers, which I do. Um, and I had to come in, in March to open uh, a theater for like a donor's gala, April 10th. Wow. So it was a very small time frame. Um, and it really helps if you have someone that you don't have to tell them where the cafeteria is, they know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that shorthand knowledge of, of Christian Brothers was very useful for me. Yeah, and it also kind of feels like the tenacity that you had to kind of figure this stuff out because it's not like they're like, here, 
we're going to show you this, you kind of just jumped into it, it seems like, and you had to figure it all out. The learning curve on this job has been insane. Yeah. Um, I had to, I spent four or five days working with the guys who installed the soundboard to learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, in many respects, a light board is a light board, so I was pretty comfortable with that. But I, I took design classes in college, but because I was an undergrad, none of them were built. None yeah. of them were actualized. And I wasn't designing for a 40 by 30 stage like we have here. Mm-hmm. I had never done lighting design for a space that big. So uh, I've kind of had to take some very basic conceptual skills that I got in college and put them into the real world very quickly. And thankfully, we have you know, great supervisors and great volunteers that help you make that happen. Yeah. Did you ever consider going back to London and studying at the National Theater again? I mean, oh, <laughs> you're talking like a lifetime dream. What I'd really like to do actually is, um, I'm in love with the National Theater in London. That is not where I studied the first time, but the National Theater, as far as I'm concerned, is the, the best of the best. And I'm, I'm sure they have programs for educators about theater education, and I would love to go and do that. Um, to be honest, I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be right now. I would love to further my education. I'd love to get a master's degree, maybe a teaching credential. Um, but in terms of suddenly going off and designing on Broadway or professionally or jumping back into that arena, I actually find working with students to be a lot more thrilling um, than the professional work, I think. And what do you think kind of is the drive behind that? Why do you feel that students are so much more rewarding to work on than like a Broadway production? So I've worked quite a bit at Music Circus, and those folks all come from Broadway or national tours. They're high-level professionals. They are amazing people. They are charming and generous and incredibly talented. But what I enjoy about students is the growth. Um, I love seeing students gain confidence through performance. I love... Uh, seeing that light bulb moment when you introduce something new to a student and they just take it and run with it. I like the way they think because in many instances, uh, students are new to this. They've not done it before. And so they are approaching it with completely fresh eyes. And I think that's very invigorating to someone. I mean, I've been doing theater since I was six years old. Mm -hmm. So when I get a 16-year-old kid say something in my class about theater that had not occurred to me in almost 30 years, and I I think that's fantastic. Yes, that's really cool. All right, so to wrap it up, we want to hear maybe like a fun theater story, something that happened maybe while you were in high school or in college. Do you you have any of those for us? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, there's one that really sticks out of my mind. I was in high school here at Christian Brothers, and I was earning service hours by working on the backstage crew for River City Theater Company, which okay. was a like a children's theater company I'd worked with when I was younger. And they were doing a production of The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. And in this production, the director had decided that, of course, not only would we have a live Toto, but in that scene where um, like Dorothy runs in and is upset about Ms. Gulch and is talking to Uncle Henry and Aunt M, they're counting baby chickens, and our director decided that we would have live baby chicks. <laughs> as well and because of this Toto and the baby chicks were never to be on stage at the same time and Toto had a handler and she had impressed upon all of us we were not to pet the dog we were not to touch the dog we were not to look at the dog 
And one night, Dorothy comes off stage from the Miss Gulch scene, and the handler is nowhere to be found. And none of us are going to touch this dog because we've been so warned about it. So Dorothy comes back on stage. Anna and Uncle Henry are counting these adorable little baby chickens going peep, peep, peep. And Dorothy has Toto in a headlock. And that dog's eyes are just like laser focused on every little chick that it sees. And, um, (laughs) and right about the time that Dorothy had a line like, um, Oh, why Toto wouldn't hurt Ms. Gulch. Toto wouldn't hurt a living thing. This dog leaps out of her arms and just, just chomps on one of the baby chickens. And, and, like Uncle Henry pries open Toto's jaws and I am pulls out this unharmed but very upset baby chick who is like all damp and dog breathy and for the whole rest of the show backstage that baby chick was just and the audience of course just lost it um, so for any future directors out there I highly advise uh, to not put Predator and Prey in the same production. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And with that, Miss Christensen, thank you so much for being on this episode of Talent Talk. Thank you, guys. It's a ball. So we're here with our talent writer of the week. It's Joaquin Ramiro. What's that's going good. on, woot, man? Woot. I'm, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're doing very well. Yeah. So... We're going to be talking a little bit about your article that you have just finished. It is on... What's it it's on? on the, it's on the uh, jump bike craze. The jump bike craze. Yeah. So we've got tons of questions because these are some interesting new pieces that have just yeah. arrived in Sacramento with over the summer. Mm-hmm. So uh, how did you kind of go about creating this article about jump bikes? Well, um, I am a Sacramento native. Uh, I t- spent a lot of time in downtown, in midtown Sacramento. Okay. Uh, and I spent a lot of time walking around and kind of seeing the, uh, the landscape and what's going on uh, around uh, <laughs> the city. So uh, it's, it was kind of a surprise to me uh, when I saw all of these, you know, bright red bikes yeah. all around my neighborhood. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. I just kind of felt compelled to kind of dive into it and see what it was all about. Cool. So what'd you learn? What, what are jump bikes? What are they about? Well, it's a, uh, it's a bike sharing service. Uh, it is owned now by Uber. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, They're making a lot of money, aren't they? They are. They are making a lot of money. Um, It was bought by Uber for, I think, upwards of $100 million pretty recently. That's crazy. For bikes. Yeah, for bikes. For bikes. We're a a bike company. It is a very (laughs) popular service. Yes, that's true. So I just, I'm going to interrupt you for like 0.5 seconds. Okay, so do you have to pay for it first and then write it for like a set amount of time and then it just kind of like stops and then you... I guess leave it there. I don't know. Well, How does it um, work? <laughs> from, from what I've been researching, um, you you do it through uh, the Jump Bike app, or you do it through Uber, I believe, because that's, that's why it was bought by Uber. Oh, because now you can use the Uber app. Uh, also, I was doing some research while we were talking. Uber bought Jump Bikes for upwards of two hundred million dollars, wow. which is absolutely insane. That okay, continue. Yeah. Um, so you go, and it will give you a map of where you can find uh, Jump Bikes in your area immediate area uh you pick one up you ride it around for a bit um it charges you uh i believe a dollar for the first 15 minutes and everything after that is uh a set fee it's it's escaping me right now it's pretty low um so you you just uh you ride it and after you're done you put the uh the bike lock back into it and then i believe it stops 
I'm okay. actually going to be doing some tests. Have you, have you ever ridden one? I've not ridden Dang. one yet. Oh, great. So you're testing it for the article. See, I this am. is a great thing about Talon, is there's all these fun things that we get to try that we haven't tried before yeah. because we want to report on it. See, I like the way you think. This yeah. is smart. Insert sponsor. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Jump bikes and get at us. Yeah. I'm going to be doing some tests uh, with a couple of my, couple of my close friends. We're going to be going... Uh, and renting a bike for a few hours, taking it out for a test spin, uh, testing out the hill assist, nice. which can go up to 20 miles per hour from whatever I Really? Okay, yeah. so talk talk to us about the hill assist, because it's like a little bit of a motor, but not really? Yeah. Um, so according to the jump bike web- website, um, every time you pedal on the jump bikes, it will some of the energy will go into the motor. And so you'll have like a little boost if you just want to coast along like nitro from uh one of those old racing games that's yeah. awesome yeah um so it does go pretty fast um and that's kind of one of the concerns that we have about the bikes it's yeah if you're going on like the sidewalk and you're going like 15 20 miles per hour that is kind of a hazard totally yeah i'm also gonna mom the situation what about helmets what, you like know, provide uh, your own <laughs> absolutely you know uh the jump the jump bike website does say that you should be wearing a helmet Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they're saying you should be wearing one, but yeah. also like, you know, when you're going out for a night on the town, along with your purse, you should be clipping on a helmet. Like, Get on your scooter and ride. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, it seems kind of interesting that they want you to wear helmets, but they don't provide them for you. And yeah. the uh, uh, like, the reason that the jump bike was created is for the ease of access. So it, it'll be interesting to kind of see where that goes. Um, have we learned of any situations like uh, have there been any like bad injuries because of jump bikes and are they are they liable for that? You know, none that I've seen. Okay. I've done I'm some gonna out mom you okay. and be like if we share helmets, everyone's gonna have lice. This is true. Everyone would we don't have like lice. lice. <laughs> so we have to figure yeah. out a, a, a way, a, a solution. Steel block. <laughs> what? <laughs> How would that even work? It's a helmet. They no can lice. be pretty dangerous, though, if you're coming back from, like, a bar and yeah. you're drunk, it, right? Yeah, totally. That could be really dangerous and you could crash. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I've walked around at night a number of times uh, in downtown Sacramento, and sometimes you'll see, like, packs of jump bikes, you know, upwards of 5, 10, yeah. 15 people on jump bikes. Uh, and a lot of them are evidently drunk, and you wonder, you know, what's... What are they going to be doing the rest of the night? You know, right? What are they going to be doing with, with these bikes? Yeah, is this safe? Yeah, like my friend was on the back of one and totally like fell and broke his shoulder. Oh my! Like God. just completely messed up his shoulder because he was riding somebody else's bike. Like he was on the handlebars, sort of thing. So obviously, jump bike, not super cool with that. But like all these kinds of hazards, and I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see as the company progresses. Like. Are they allowed to do specific things? Is the, you know, city government going to come in and be like, all right, so you can do this, but you can't do that? Absolutely. Um, Going off of that, um, there have actually been controversies about uh, uh, services that are really similar to jump bikes. Uh, In San Francisco, for example, uh, one of the things I learned was that um, there's there's three bike, or not bike, scooter sharing services. Oh, yeah. I saw this in San Jose. Yeah. They were um, they were banned by the city government. The city really, the city sent them cease and desist letters because people were just leaving the bikes wherever, and they were becoming a nuisance. Interesting. I saw a ton of the jump bikes coming to school. They were like across that like church that's over on Twelfth Avenue, I think. Yeah, and there was like all chain like all the jump bikes were chained up. I mean, do you think people would? I mean, anywhere, but do you think that they could like 
break it off of the thing or clip it? Well, certainly. Um, it would be pretty easy to steal a bike. Bikes get stolen around Sacramento all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And these things are no exception. Um, I think one of the things that's important to remember about bike sharing services are that they're intentionally designed so that they're not uh, pretty looking so that people don't steal them. Yeah. They've got these awful designs, you know, where they're really bulky <laughs> so that people are just deterred. Super inherently. heavy. Yeah. They're really heavy. Can you move the bike if you don't pay? Or is it like, or is there like a lock? Like, let's say you do break it off. Can you move the bike? Well, without paying? I, I'm not sure. I've never tried to steal a bike. <laughs> I'm, just I'm not a, a criminal. Yeah, throw uh, throw Joaquin on the spot. I was here. just asking a question. <laughs> I wanted Real to know. Real articles about. Yeah. I stole a bike. <laughs> Story time. I stole a jump bike. Can you pull over people on a bike? Yeah. Okay. So my sister got pulled over when she was in. I feel like it was sixth grade, and like the police literally stopped her and was like, "Hey." You can't turn without using signals. And oh, like, I never I'm turn on signals. A bike, dude. Like, how's that gonna work? Your arms. Yeah, you have. You have like. I don't know what it is. With the like, the yeah. up and just the go down. Like, you could just yeah. point. Just Actually, you know what it was? I'm going. I'm gonna turn and left. <laughs> That's okay. You know what it was? Is she didn't stop at the stop sign. She just kept going, and there was like a police like down the street, and she like flashed her lights and went woo woo, and then like kind of like pulled them over on their bikes, and she was like freaked out. But I think it it does happen if the cops are really bored. <laughs> I also, I mean, again, not to bring up drunk people, but they will pull you over because you can't. Yeah, you you can't, can't ride a bike drunk, right? Yeah. I'm pretty I mean, sure that's a law. Friends don't let other friends drive bikes drunk. <laughs> Don't do um, that. Well, family, I mean, a lot family. of friends do. Yeah, but th- there definitely are like laws that are in place to yeah. try and stop people from who are on bikes from you know just being reckless. I have a question for you, Joaquin. Yes, what is your question? Do you in what do you think of jump bikes? Do you think they're just another nuisance to Sacramento, or do you think it's a good idea? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll lay it down. Yeah. Spill the tea, sis. Spill it. <laughs> Well, I, as a pedestrian in Sacramento, I've been a pedestrian in Sacramento for just about my whole life, and um, I do enjoy walking. Yeah, Me it's too. Pretty great. It's pretty great, but um, I'm I'm not too hot on them. I'm okay. not really a fan, and perhaps it's uh, it's not good that I have such a bias when I'm writing this article. But uh, I've tried to stay pretty objective. Um, but from like a personal level, I I don't see them as being you know I don't see them as having very many merits. Yeah, I'm sure they're very convenient. Sure, I'm sure they're very fun to ride. Um, but when it comes down to like safety, it's it just doesn't seem really worth it. Mm-hmm. Especially and if you have like a kid and they're gonna, I don't know, like yeah. they it's too tall for them. Yeah. They don't have a helmet. Try to put them in the basket. And, it'll and break. not just that. Like what happens in a in a, like a year when this craze runs out? When it becomes unprofitable for Jump to keep operating Sacramento? What's gonna happen to all these bikes? Are they just gonna sh- you know take them up and? you know ship them off somewhere else or there's already infrastructure that's been put in there are jump bike stands that right installed in downtown sacramento are they, yeah are those just going to stay there uh not only that i mean with jump bike being jump bikes being bought by um by uber it, does that make a jump a uh extension of the gig, gig economy like yeah. is this like just an extension of uber or lyft or one of these other services uh it, there there really are a lot of questions to this definitely yeah. And we hope to unpack those yeah. a little bit more in your article. Absolutely. Joaquin, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Talon Talk. And if you want to find Joaquin's article, make sure to head over to cbtalon.com. It'll be there on the featured page. So with that, 
another episode of Talent Talk is almost complete. Girls, how was our conversations today? I really enjoyed them. 10 out of 10 would listen again. And that's what I you agree. should do to the rest of these episodes over on iTunes, Spotify, any podcast provider, Stitcher, Podbean, all of those good things. Hit us up on SoundCloud, guys. Hit us up on SoundCloud. I'm not even sure if we're on SoundCloud, but you know. Bummer. Girls, anything to add? Uh, go read Joaquin's article on the talent and definitely go see Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. Yeah, it opens November 9th. So mark it in your calendars. Mark it in your calendars. With that, I'm Jack. I'm Izzy. I'm Isabella. And this has been Talent Talk. Talk.